So we have joining us here on Civil Politics, Greg Dennis from the Yes on Two campaign. Greg, I think ranked choice voting is a good idea, and I think most people get it, but not everybody still knows what the heck it is. So give us the, the nickel tour. What is ranked choice voting, or what specifically are you guys pushing for ranked choice voting? Because I think it may mean different things to different people. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Not everybody knows what it is, but what we find is that once people do understand it, um, overwhelmingly, people tend to support it. I think the key problem that a lot of people see in politics today is really that politics, in many ways, is kind of tearing the country apart. Um, we find that um, we don't have a system today that's able to really build consensus. We see winners elected without a majority of support. Uh, we see independent voices often excluded from the debate, and we see a lot of voters that feel like they're pressured to vote for the lesser of two evils. Ranked choice voting is really a simple change that helps us address those problems. Uh, in most elections today, you're limited to making one choice. Under ranked choice voting, you can still vote for one person as you would today, but you also have the option of uh, ranking your backup choices, your second choice, your third choice, and so on. And what that means is that if your first choice doesn't have the support to win, that your vote will count instantly towards uh, your next choice instead. And that solves this perennial problem in Elections Day of vote splitting and spoiler candidates. And, you know, those problems mean that candidates are forced to drop out of races. People are pressured to vote for the lesser of two evils. People are afraid of, of just voting their conscience and what they want. It also makes politics very negative because it becomes these very us versus them zero-sum game. So just picking an example from my lifetime, 1992, we had Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, and Ross Perot all running significant candidacies for the presidency. And all of them were on the ballots in all 50 states. And none of them got over 50% of the vote. Clinton got the biggest share of the, um, of the popular vote, and he won the Electoral College pretty handily. So, like, if that if that were the case, and someone back in '92 had been like, "Well, I think Ross Perot is great. Uh, I'm going to vote for him." But if he doesn't make it, I want, you know, say Clinton or Bush or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, like, the way ranked choice voting would handle this would be like they'd look at you'd look and see, all right, no one has over fifty percent, so no one is one. Absolutely. Then yeah. you drop out the lowest ranked person. Yes. Yeah, so. Um so, so like if my that, first choice is, sorry, just, so if my first choice was George Bush and it's like, all right, well, George Bush has, you know, the second most number of votes. He's behind Clinton, say, you mm -hmm. know, it's like, all right. So that means all the votes for Ross Perot are going to get dropped. So those of us who, who picked Bush as our first choice, we're still on Bush, right? You are. It's a lot like a runoff election, right? Okay. So if you voted in uh, a lot of states and countries around the world have runoff elections. If nobody has more than 50%, more than half the vote, some countries, some places have a runoff election between the top two candidates and you have everybody come back out again and you know <laughs> you close down the public buildings again, you pay twice as much money to bring everybody back and you have another election. And presumably, right, if you voted for say George Bush in that first round, and he made the second round, you would probably continue to vote for him. So your vote continues to count towards your first choice candidate uh, through all the rounds. But if your candidate does not 
make the next round, then your vote counts towards your backup choice. I, wa- I do want to be clear that the ballot initiative that we have, it's, the sec- it's yes on two, the second question on the ballot. It does not apply to presidential elections, uh, but I think these presidential examples are good illustrations of the kinds of problems yeah. that we see. So, so, so if you were a Perot supporter, there were a lot of people that wanted to vote for Perot in 1992 felt, or 1996, felt like they couldn't, felt like they'd be throwing their vote away. But you could vote for Perot first, and then Bush or Clinton second, whichever was your second choice. And as it ended up, uh, Perot came in last in the first choices. You count up all the first choices. He was last in the first choices, so he's eliminated. And everybody that voted for him has their vote count toward their second choice instead. So they still get to have a say as to whether Clinton or Bush wins that election. Right. Assuming they made a second choice, if they didn't... If they didn't care, if they said it's Perot and the other two, I don't care. Or or nothing, yeah. They can abstain and will respect an abstention. Yeah. Okay. So the ballot measure does apply to all statewide offices like senator and governor and attorney general and so forth. And it would also apply to votes to send people to the state house in Boston and within our congressional districts for our representatives in Congress. Is that right? Is that So would it also uh, necessarily apply to like, you know, votes for the mayor or, you know, the, the, the school committee or whatever? No, it doesn't apply to any city or town elections. It only applies to state and federal elections, all state and federal elections, except for president and a couple minor offices for technical, uh, obscure technical details we could talk about, but you're probably not interested in. (laughs) Well, I am wondering why it it won't apply to the presidential election, because I thought the Constitution set it up so that every state, you know, ran its own elections. So like Massachusetts can can run its elections that way. Oh, it certainly could. It certainly could. So we've been at this for about, uh, we've had this organization for four years. We've been crisscrossing the state, talking to all kinds of political and civic groups. People have a number of questions. We have a lot of education work to do. What we found um, is that a lot of people are supportive of ranked choice voting. They like the idea and they want to see it. They want to see it work at the state level election before it has influence at the presidential level. And they also had more questions about, well, how does it work with the Electoral College? What does it mean for the National Popular Vote Initiative? What does it mean for federal matching funds? There were just a lot more questions, all of which we felt like we had perfectly good answers to, but it just complicated the education process. So we decided, you know what, let's just focus on fixing state elections first. And you know what, if the first run of this system, if the ballot initiative passes, would be the 2022 cycle. Hmm. And if it's successful in 2022, well, then there's the opportunity to expand it to the presidency in time for 2024. And that's what happened in Maine. Um, Maine passed their ballot initiative in 2016, had their first run in 2018. It was very successful, and the legislature expanded it to include the presidency in time for this upcoming presidential race. Well, that's interesting. So I got one more question, and John or Sue may have others for you. But the other question I have is, so I'm, I'm personally in favor of ranked choice voting. And so I'm, I'm going to, you know, in the rest of the show, I'm going to recommend that people should vote for it on the ballot. But one of the things that I've sort of learned is people will be like, oh, I'm so optimistic and hopeful about this idea. It's going to be great. It's going to solve 
so many problems. And it's like, it, I'm sure it will solve some problems, but it, it reminds me a bit of the way a bunch of people were disappointed in like 2009 and 10 and whatever with, it's like, but Barack Obama, hope and change. Yes, we can. What happened? And it's like, look, Obama's been doing a lot and I think he's been a pretty good president, but I mean, like he was never going to walk on the water. You know, you guys got to remember that. <laughs> and so what would you say is the reasonable expectation for how this is going to affect our elections? Because, I mean, it's not going to solve all of our partisan infighting and, and uh, you know, distrust of, you know, you know him liberal elites or him crazy conservatives or whatever. Yeah. Absolutely not. I mean, there's, I, I don't think, there's anybody that, that doesn't know that there's a lot of problems in politics today, a lot of problems with elections. And we are not saying uh, in any way that this is a panacea, that this is going to solve every problem. What we are saying is that it's a simple thing to do. It's a common sense thing to do that they do in other states and other cities um, in other countries for over 100 years. And that it makes progress towards a lot of the most pressing problems that we see today negativity we see today in politics, the vote splitting, the pressure people feel to not vote their conscience at the ballot, the exclusion of third party and independent voices, the election of people without a majority of support. You know, we just had the fourth congressional district race in Massachusetts, a congressional primary, and the winner of that election won with 22% of the vote. That's not to say they won illegitimately or they couldn't get a majority under, under a majoritarian system like ranked choice, but we don't know the answer to that. And we should be sure that the people we're electing reflect the majority will of the voter. So, yep, doesn't fix everything, but it helps fix a lot of our most pressing problems. When we think about ranked choice voting, we, we are thinking a lot about Maine as a test case. Are you looking to to make Massachusetts another example for a nationwide initiative, or are you just trying to focus on just statewide initiatives and not thinking about a wider picture right now? We're very focused on winning this ballot question, and, and we're in this to improve Massachusetts elections. But at the same time, we very much believe it will be successful as it's been successful around the country and in Maine and around the world. And... We will, I don't think we would be surprised and we would expect that other people and other states would try to emulate that success. That's what I would expect. So I have a, a couple of questions. This is Sue. I'm, I'm the Republican. Um, first thing, I'll ask you sort of two or three questions, but one is sort of the cost impact, because it sounds like you have to move all the ballots after the first round to a central facility that does the tabulation. The second question is sort of around the ability to bullet vote. This is really just for offices that have one opening. It's not for when you elect two out of three or anything like that, right? So bullet voting will still work. I thought there were some issues with ranked choice voting when you just put one name on and didn't answer, you know, number two and number three. And I think the last thing is that it doesn't apply to caucuses when you're filling a seat with a caucus, right? All right. So you might have to remind me all your questions as I go through. Sure. (laughs) So the question, which races does it, which elections does it apply to? It only applies to the single seat elections at the state and federal level. Virtually all the offices that we elect are single seat elections. You elect one person to state senator, to governor, to U.S. senator at a time, to your your congressperson. So we're only talking about electing one person at a time. There is no incentive to bullet vote, bullet vote meaning just vote your first choice, if you want to, because you don't have 
any later preferences. You don't care. You don't have an opinion about the remaining candidates. You can. Your vote is still valid. It's not spoiled in any way. But your vote is never going to count towards your second choice until your first choice is out of the running. So it doesn't dilute the power of your first choice, the oomph behind your first choice by indicating a second choice. You don't hurt okay. your first choice in any way by continuing to rank. And that's very important. It's part of the education process for people to understand. They shouldn't fear ranking because they're going to somehow hurt one of their higher choices. The caucuses, it doesn't affect anything to do with the party caucuses. We're talking about the general and primary elections at the state level that happen, you know, the regular elections in, in September uh, in November for the special elections for those offices. Uh, the cost impact, you know, there's a lot of, you know, critics will often try to point to cost. There were initial cost estimates in Maine of, I think like, an initial estimate came out saying it's going to cost $11 million. And then a new estimate came out and said, well, it's going to cost a million dollars. And then ultimately it cost $100,000. So, you know, $100,000 in May is not, is a tiny fraction of the budget for Maine. It would be, a, even if you scaled it up by, you know, five times the population of Massachusetts, it's not a lot of money. Uh, and we're really at our size, I think, in a position to negotiate good deals from vendors at that scale uh, to keep the cost yeah. I lived next door to Cambridge for years, and they've been doing it for years. So interesting. And, um, you know, if you save the cost of one um, runoff election, that's a fair amount of money. I know it's ten or $15,000 just for one town. So you actually will be saving the, you know, runoff-style elections if that's what people do now. You said something about ranking and that you don't have to go on and rank. But what if you, you don't, you have a math dyslexia and you rank your number one, and then there are like four candidates in the race, but you then you put in three and four and you don't mention two. That kind of blows out your other choices, right? Because it doesn't get handed down because you've got a gap in your numbering. So, I, you know, I should have I should have ranked four and I've ranked three, but I I ranked one number one and one number three and one number four and skipped right over two. Actually, the rules as we've written them and, and the rules around the country and and I believe all implementations in the U.S., will promote those later ranks. So if you wrote rank one candidate first and you by accident skip the second rank and rank somebody third and fourth, those third and fourth will be treated as your second and third ranks. And that's true in Cambridge. Oh, okay. Okay, good Good to know. Because I, I know a lot of people that they get in there, they get nervous and they um, they sort of stumble through it. I think that's all the questions I had about it. Um, one yeah, butterfly a, ballot in Florida one bunch of you know Jewish retirees voting for Pat Buchanan. I mean, seriously, Sue. <laughs> it's true. I get tormented as the Republican, as you can tell, Greg. So, but it is moved to a central facility after the first round. I think that's in there. Did I see that? I think that's right. So, yeah, they'll, so they'll they'll do it at the Warden Precinct, and then it goes to City Hall, and you have to print them out so the candidates can see how they did, right, or something like that. Right. So election night is going to look very similar to election night today, where in all the cities and towns and all the precincts, they're going to count the first choices on the ballots, all the first all the first rankings, just like you count the plurality first rankings today, except today you only have a first ranking, you don't get a second and third. But you'll be able to see the tally of those first choices on election night. In any race where a candidate has more than 50 percent, which is going to be a lot of them, but it won't be all of them. You'll know those winners there and then. 
Um, it's just the yeah, ones that stops. No yep. candidate. Yeah, it's just the ones where there's no candidate with the majority where we have to go to an instant runoff. And then you got to get the ballot data together and you get the ballot data together and you, and you, you do that um, runoff instantly uh, to determine who, who gets a majority. And how do you count? I just thought of this. I'm sorry to go way down in a rat hole, but you know how sometimes you don't get on a ballot and I mean, you don't get on the uh, ballot next year unless you get 15%. So will this all count towards somebody's 15% even though they got eliminated in the first round that, that they you know, still be counted? The 15, per, I, I believe it's a, you mean the major part for, for a party to have ballot? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah they, they, but the state won't put, yeah, put them on unless the, unless the party's got 15%. I think it's, or, I think that's the number. Um, I think it's 3% to have ballot access, but I could double check that. But regardless of what it is, for, the, for those purposes, for ballot access purposes, we just look at the first choices. And that's written into okay. the law. Great, thank you. Well, I think that probably uh, that that should be enough. We we may edit this down a bit <laughs> to be on the show. We may release the full interview as a supplemental. Oh, uh, I, oh Mike, I f- I forgot to mention the Northampton thing because we talked about it before we were on the air. Because Northampton has a city council vote coming up on this topic. It was referred from the charter committee, and mm-hmm. it's it's a favorable support for ranked choice voting here in Northampton. Right, and that would be at the town level, which is not covered by. Question two. Yes. Right. It's just a, yeah, I think it's sort of a, it's not quite symbolic because there'd be some changes, but it's in favor of. So, well, one of the interesting things we've seen as we've been doing this education about the value of ranked choice to state elections is that a lot of people are connecting the dots to their local elections, their city and town elections, and saying, well, if it's good enough at the state level, this would really make sense in, in Northampton. And we saw Amherst adopted and East Hampton adopted, and now Northampton has recommended it. We're seeing it's on the warrant in Arlington. It's on the warrant. It's coming up on the warrant in Brookline. So all these cities and towns are saying, I think it would make sense for our local elections, too, as a result of this education effort. Well, and what you said about having a runoff election, we had one of those a couple of years ago in Northampton, and, you know, it costs a lot of money. Those preliminary elections are... You know, nobody likes <laughs> nobody likes coming out in sets for that September race. They cost a lot of money. They cost double the administration costs. They have anemic turnout. It's just it would be so much better to have that all done in one go. Exactly what you're saying, Sue, to save all that money, have higher turnout in a single race where all the candidates are there and you hear all the voices. I think that would be a lot better. So it would... You're suggesting it might be like we don't have a September primary. Instead, we have like, right, these five Democrats are running for the seat and these three Republicans and, I and this Green Party person. And then just no, I'm not saying people. that for state elections. I was just talking about local about city elections. So oh, right. OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elections like Northampton, where you have this September election, which is sometimes called a primary, but it's it's not a party election. So. Yeah, yeah, no. Not a primary, call it a preliminary election. Cities are non nonpartisan. So we had a selectman's race where three people got in the race. And um, so they had a runoff. And, you know, one of the folks was somebody who ran every year. And, you know, he got bumped off. And then the two primary candidates went forward in, a, in an election, in a, yeah. in a town election. All right. So uh, I guess that's, that's going to do it. Thank you so much, Greg Dennis from Yes on Two. And what's your website in case people want to? you know, read some more of this for themselves. 
Yes, on to rcv.com. All right. Thanks very much. And uh, yeah, well, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for being had. <laughs> bye bye. Civil Politics is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com.